And we're back. Bring in the closer, Ben Samuels. It's a snow day, bud. How are you doing? Man? We ain't talked that much. It's like it's like the first time we've spoken really all day. There's been a few aggressive, passive aggressive texts, maybe a few subtweets, but this is the first conversation that we really had. Even the normal pre banter didn't get to happen because of tech difficulties. So it's good to good to talk to you. I just want to tell the folks that are listening, listen, if, if you're fortunate enough to have a really good friend and a friend that you, you know, you share advice back and forth with, don't give them the advice that talking to you less will make them more money because on the off chance that they will take you up on said advice, like you, you're going to lose a friend. And so like, you know, just give the advice that you want people to follow, not necessarily the advice that people should follow. I happen to give Ryan some what turned out to be very good advice in, in you know, in that sort of vein. He, he took the bull by the horns. He took the horse and drowned the horse. He, he, there's, you know, he moved and there was water there. All, all, all of the different, you know, analogies that we use over the podcast, he, he went ahead and just leaped in. So how has that been? I know you've been rocking the phones yesterday. You were uh, dialing and sailing or something like that. Mm-hmm. How, how are, how are things going? It's been fantastic. It's probably been the best advice you've given me in the seven years I've known you now. It's been, I mean, that's, it's just been, when you told me, and you said it kind of edgy, you know, kind of a little tone. You're like, Ryan, if you would talk to me less, you'd make money. It's kind of how you said it. It's like, oh, game on. That's a challenge. There's a throwdown. Okay. Challenge accepted. And not only has my mental health improved, my spiritual health, my physical health, my psychological health, my financial health, like all of the healths that there are, they've just gone up. It's just been like, you see the energy I'm bringing today. It's been wonderful. Wonderful. Now, 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 let me say, there was a day this week where I missed you for a little bit. I was like, I talked to Ben and you told me during that call. And I quote, Ryan, this is why you, when you call me, you lose money. So I'm back on the wagon. So Ben, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Sometimes being a good friend is doing something in service of the other that doesn't necessarily help you. Um, no, actually, it's been it's been uh, it's it's interesting. Actually, I, mean, I think Ryan, you and I are both sort of not necessarily in a moment of transition, but but you know, working on some other things, taking on different things that are taking kind of a different level of attention, time and attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, obviously, that's all that's all really exciting things. I think uh, you know maybe that's a good lead into one of the you know some of the things that we we're going to talk about. On the show today, we're going to get into a little. Real quick, I want before we transition off, I want to stop you there because I've had a thought and I hadn't talked to you about this. So I'm just bringing it to you on air, which is what you love. I think here's what's happened. Talking to you, I enjoy talking to you because you're my friend. So we talk about all kinds of stuff, work stuff, non-work stuff, whatever, right? But at the end of the call, it's hard to judge whether we are being busy, productive, or wasting time. When I'm cold calling, it's quite apparent. What's happened, <laughs> right? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it either. I got hung up on, I got chewed out, or I got a lead or, or whatever. And I think the thing that, that I'm realizing is, is that working the network, which I like to do, it's fun. It's, it's relatively easy. It's harder to gauge your, your, how much you're getting done because you generally like talking to your network. The prospecting, it's easier to gauge how much you're getting done because it's a lot more black and white. Now you can have a prospect mislead you, stuff like that. But, but by and large, that's black and white. Working the network, you can feel, to use your point, like you're doing a lot and you're being busy, but you're not being productive because you enjoy that. And so there's no negative connotation talking to your network. And so that's one been one of the eye-opening things 
for me of the past week or two weeks, whatever been, three weeks, whatever it's been, when cold calling is I can actually gauge my, my productivity a lot better now. And I, to your point, you're right. Talking to you has cost money, not because, not, not in a bad way, not in a bad way, not being derogatory, but, but, right, there's only so many deals that me and you could never do together. And so. So there, there was a lot of, there was a lot of truth there. There were a couple of shots thrown in. Um, I think. Let me, let me uh, see where I want to start there. I mean, so at the election, let me, let me go back to what I was going to say, because, because you and I are very much sort of in the same mind, you know, mind frame or mindset in the sense that, you know, when you're, I think there's a fundamental difference when you have sort of cultivated a network so that you are receiving leads, receiving deals, receiving inbound interest, you know, um, getting, you know, getting the phone to your, your phone to ring is one skill that you, I think you and I both have, and we've developed over the years of you know, expanding that network. One of the t- things you tweeted out either yesterday or today, I think really you know, brings us home, is the sense that, I mean, how much of a different muscle it is to flex when what you just said is so true, when you're prospecting and not networking, right? Because now mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're in a totally different mindset just you know, in what you're looking for out of the phone call. Because you, you know, if you're cold calling, that almost always means that you have a specific ask that you mm-hmm. – the reason that you're calling. Whereas with networking, you're sort of what can I bring value to you on or, or you know, what, you know, not really sure sometimes. With, with cold calling, you have a very specific direction. One of the things um, – and I know you didn't mean it in a, direct, you know, a negative way at all. But one of the things that I think is incredibly valuable about – being in the prospecting space, but having some of the conversations that you and I have. So if I think through some of the conversations that you and I have had offline over the last few weeks, a lot of them have been sort of our normal, you know, what we do, but, uh, but some of, a lot of the others have been very specific. Hey, like this person said this thing, here's the context. What would you do here? Or, Hey, I got this email or, Hey, this group is doing X, Y, Z. And so being able to sort of still have that sounding board, but it's on the sort of the other side of the ledger has been incredibly impactful, incredibly valuable, because I think one of the things that people struggle with myself included at times is, you know, that echo chamber of if you're just smiling and dialing, you're on the phone and you're never getting feedback on from a third party, you know, that has some perspective on what you might be saying wrong or what you could say better or, or, you know, how to overcome an objection, those sort of things. You can just, you know, you can, you can smile and dial until you're blue in the face, or you can start to become more, you know, better and better at it. And so I think there's, you know, we're having substance, you know, the substance of the conversations you and I are having are very different. I will give you that. But I think that we're still sort of, you know, that having that check and balance is really important and, and, you know, really really key um yeah i agree and i I, something you said a few weeks or two weeks ago maybe i I was i was calling like five to seven and i was i've never called from five to seven i've always called in the morning and i texted you like dude that's a prime time to call i was like oh wow i never but that's that's to your point that's a weird thing and it's a point that me and you probably would have never discussed because unless you know one of us were, were doing it and so it adds back so then you you've added another tool to the toolbox where um, is if, if, and so I don't want to beat the drum on prospecting too much, but you know, if we're to your point about kind of going back, well, there's only, I mean, we've had a lot of conversations over the, over the last few years, like, Hey, I was in a meeting, this was said, or, you know, I, I'm stuck with on this deal. How do I move it forward? We've had a lot of those conversations and those are very, um, those, those are always helpful and they're unique. The prospecting thing though, to your point is it's not, 
it's not robotic, but there is a way that you can kind of get into the groove and you want to refine that process and get that process smoother. Whereas if I'm meeting with people to try to close a deal, you can have a wide array of personality types, deal pro- like it's, it's just it's just a little bit different for me. And so um, trying to refine the prospecting um, has been something that I haven't done in so long. Um, that has been kind of good to, to talk about that. And the, the final thing I say is that when you're networking, if I call you up and say, "Hey Ben, you know what's going on? Uh, I got a deal right here. Are you interested?" Da da da. Okay, right. That may take five seven minutes to go through that. Well, then we might talk about the Red Sox or the the crazy blown call or some AOC comment or you know, what's going on in the world. And then there's 30 minutes of that, right? And so that's and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But to the point about losing money um, or not adding value, the, when you're smiling and dialing, that's that, that's kind of the contrast. You're not going to call someone, hey, are you interested in this, that, or the other? Oh, by the way, what did you think of Biden's press conference last night? Like that's not going to come up. So it's almost a built-in a certain more efficiency. Now it's, now it's not as efficient ultimately as the networking because it has, that has other different values, but th- that's kind of the, the stop gap there, if you will. So I'm going to actually have to respond by Braille there because uh, unfortunately, just like pre-show, our, our audio is having some issues. So I actually didn't catch the second half of that. So I'm going to respond to the first half as maybe it'll kick back in. Um, no, but I, I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, I think that it's the, um, Going you know, through, through the prospecting, one of the things that you said that I'm not necessarily sure that I would agree with, I want to maybe want to expound on this a little bit, is I think that people in general, so if, you, if you're in the cold calling mindset and you're just turning and burning through phone calls, that can be, to your point, very sort of routine and, you know, um, maybe, you know, minutia or mundane even, um, if you're asking the same questions in the same tone, expecting sort of the same responses. And I think it really is a problem that, you know, that people have sometimes to sort of get in this mindset of you're, you're turning off the, you're no longer listening to the nuance of the conversation. You're no longer listening for nonverbal or verbal cues. You've sort of, you've, you've, you've tunneled yourself into, I need these four questions answered. I don't care about any of the periphery. And I think if you do that, you can lose a ton of value. Now it's different if, you know, so if you're calling about one, you know, you have one product, one product line, that's it. And like, you know, the call is either you make a sale or not. Maybe that's a different conversation. But in a lot of the conversations that you and I are having, there's, you know, there's, okay, well, I called about this, but, you know, so like for, for you, if you're making prospecting calls on the, on the real estate side, you know, you called because you saw this building on the MLS, but you didn't know that the guy had, you know, four other buildings in the town 40 minutes down the road, and he doesn't want to sell this one, but he wants to sell the others. And he may offhandedly say something about that. But if you're not paying attention to those cues, you may totally miss it. And I think that's sort of when I think about cold calling, um, you know, and, and I've probably done I think I can comfortably say that, you know, over my, over my career, I've probably done more, if not as much cold calling as just about anybody else. Um, and, and so I feel comfortable, comfortable in sort of, I think the cold calling, I think it's a push and pull of when you're cold calling, if the other person is just like, this person's either reading from a script. I don't, I don't know if it's one of your like push button issues, but one of the things that really gets me is if I call into like a customer service line or like a sales mm-hmm. help line and I can mm-hmm. tell they're reading from a script, yeah it drives me up the wall because you know, you're not going to actually get any answers. You know, you, you know, there's no possible way to get anything done. And so if you sort of have that rote, you know, that kind of that rote language, uh, because if you say, look, and this is a really short way of saying what I just said in the last five minutes or whatever, but if, if you say the same 17 word intro on every single phone call as a cold call intro, I promise you at some point, 
whether you want to or not, you're going to start to sound robotic. You're going to start mm-hmm. to sound very mechanical. And it's really important to keep that sort of authenticity in the process. Um, I, I guess you can hear me now. You good? No? Can you hear me? Uh, it's going in and out, sort of. But go ahead. Um, yeah, so I was calling someone yesterday. And they answered the phone. Grand Central Station. That's how they answered it. And, uh, and, it, it, and so I said... Oh hey, is Bob working today or whoever it was? <laughs> and this dude was hacked because he had gotten twenty calls on this property that day. But guess what? Guess who got? I mean, I didn't get the deal, but I got a nice response out of him. We talked for a minute or two. It changed the whole tone because I was ready to go. Oh, is Bob working today? He got the joke. I got the joke, and we went went on about our business. And to your point, that's that's how you got to be nimble. And I'm not saying I'm always nimble. I stumble like everyone else, but. When he said Grand Central Station, I knew. Like, I'm not calling Grand Central Station, first, first off. I know that. Two, he's trying to throw you off your game. And then if you can if you can play the game with him, you usually can get them to back down. Now, theoretically, to your point, he could have had another property of interest, which is why I need him to soften his tone a smidge just to let me talk to him. So uh, let's let's role play um, something real quick. So you're I'm gonna call I'm calling you. Okay, I you know that I'm for some reason you know that I'm calling you about cut code knives about uh, vector marketing. You, you know that the reason I'm calling is to get a demo for knives. Okay, so you know ring ring. Hello. Hey, is uh, Ryan there? Yep. So uh, Ryan, I, I know you probably recognize uh, my name and number. Um, did someone tell you that I was gonna be calling? By the way. Yeah, yeah, Ben, I'm not, I'm not really interested. Thank you, though. What's that? Sorry, one more time. I, I'm not interested. Thank you, though. You're not interested. You're not interested. What you, What are you not interested in? If you don't mind me asking. I I, I mean I don't I don't need I don't I don't need nice. I'm good. I just I think it's so no. The reason I the reason I asked that question I know that's sort of probably a little off putting is because I don't know if I've ever heard someone that didn't want to see a demo of a lemonade powered lawnmower, and I just thought that like I, I'd come by the house, show it to you. And, and you know, if you don't want to buy it, it's a lemonade powered lawnmower. What, wait, what did you think I was calling for? <laughs> I had to call for knives. What happened here? You're joking. Oh, oh. no. Yeah. No, no, that's fair. That's fair. So I, I, you probably heard my name from Connie Smith down the road. Um, I showed her the knives cause she was, that was what she was interested in between you and I, I don't even think I mentioned the lawnmower cause I don't think that I just didn't see her out in the yard, but if you want to see that, I, I'll bring them both. Uh, you know, do you have some time on either Tuesday or, or Wednesday afternoon? Yeah, come on. Um, you bring, if you've got a limited power lawnmower, come, you can go to the house. That's fantastic. So, so that's a actually kind of a, a brief script of something I actually used to use, and that's the exact example that I used to use. I used to use a limited power lawnmower because it does exactly what you just did, Ryan. And for those that can't see see your face when that happened, that's unfortunate. But when I said that, his face immediately was just sort of like. Did I hear that correctly? Like, what, what did I just hear? And it kind of, he almost leaned in a little bit. And I, you know, obviously I, I'm cheating because I can see the video, but but that sentence right there will engage. I don't care who you're talking to. They're going to engage because they've never heard that before. And it's the reason, the reason I said it, say it that way. And the reason I bring that up is not to necessarily get the appointment. The person still may tell me no, but I'm going to be memorable. And they're going to, it's, it's pulling them out of that sort of that generic push and pull mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. 
I want your time. I don't want to give it to you. Like you're resetting the conversation. And even oh, yeah. if you still get to a no. And I think those sort of things, you know, again, going back to what the reason I bring that up is because if, if you can introduce that sort of, you know, the guy that you called, he had gotten called 20 times. I bet you the first 20, you know, 19, I guess, were probably basically the same call. And mm. so if you can switch it up, if you can throw a wrench in the plan, you might just entertain the guy for a minute and a half. I mean, mm-hmm. that could be a win. You know, six months down the road, that might win you the deal. And I think that's the other piece. Yeah, so it might be a win for him, but it's also a win for you. Like being able to respond to the Grand Central Station thing in a way that lightens the mood. That's And to your point, this is what, you know, I used to tell my salespeople um, when they were going to meet clients in person. um, The walk from the lobby to the office, you've got one goal, and that is to get their mind off of the pitch. Like you talk about the stock price, how's the weather. And we had this, this whole routine about memorizing, you know, what they do. And you walk into their office, you're scanning for things that aren't work related. Oh, you went to Texas tech. How's the, we think new football coach, whatever you were trying to get them as less pitchy as possible. And on the cold call, you have less time, right? You have just a few seconds to do that. And so it's, it's a lot harder, but it's the same mentality. It's the same with networking. It's the same, anything that you're doing here until you're pitching, um, you don't want to think about the pitch. You, and that's, that's a very, it's a very hard thing to do because you have to do it in a way that people don't realize you're trying to not, you're not trying to make them think about the pitch, right? Most people are like, Hey Ben, uh, where you get your haircut at, man? It looks great. You know, it's like, you know, you're just you know, like, it's so obvious, right? So it's so, oh, it's, it's the worst. And so that's, and that's, it, it, it's, it's a super frustrating thing that you come across a lot. And it's why people, part of the reason that people have this defense of built of salespeople is because they're always, there's so many bad salespeople out there and they're always trying to pitch them, which is fine, but they're always trying to pitch them over the top. And it just makes people so just, you have to be smooth, man. You have to, you have to make it where the person doesn't realize you're pitching them. And so, and then you got to break them and that limit power. So I'm curious on that example that's that's fantastic um what would you do if someone said yeah bring that to my house tomorrow at two and let's talk about it what would you say um that's a good question i i i don't have i didn't have a canned response to that it, it, yeah. it would dep- it would depend on how they said it and so but but i would say something along uh, you know along the lines of you know actually i i've got an appointment right before yours so i'll bring it if i still have one they might buy it or i, I would deflect it in some way uh, but but I didn't have like a canned response. It, yeah. That really the and actually now that I'm thinking about it, I don't ever I don't think anyone ever actually I'm sure called they did on it because yeah because it's such it's such a like ridiculous thing to say that it's not you know um, but that would have been interesting. But um, you had me on the fly there, you know. So one of the other um, well, and real quick, that's the other thing, real quick about prospecting. Just your point is that we talk about this robotic thing. It has to be both. You have to have a workflow of where you're going, and you also have to be nimble. The re- it's like playing a, it's like playing an Xbox game. You know, you play a game for a thousand hours. Someone comes in and says, "How do you shoot the other person?" You're like, you, you press a button on the remote. I'm not sure. <laughs> like you just killed a thousand. Like I know how'd you jump? I pressed the button. I don't know. And so, right. But when you play a video game, you can you have part of it memorized. You know all the buttons to press. But then you're responding to what you see on the screen. Cold calling, prospecting is very much the same. You kind of have this process memorized, but then you're reacting. And too many people just want to press the buttons, and they're not reacting. And then to, to, to your point, though, the reason it's hard for you to respond how you responded, because you weren't in the mode. Like, if I would have asked you, 
in the role playing, you would have had a better response. And so that's 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 why it's so hard to emulate. You have to get the rep in, reps in. No, absolutely. It's it's completely fluid. You're absolutely right. If you had if you had role played that in the moment, I'm sure I would have you know, would have had something there. Um, you know, I don't know if we want to go down this route because it's definitely not prospecting. It's sort of the next phase in the process. But I think it's really important. Um, and you sort of brought up you know, brought up a really good point in a way that I wanted to uh, to unpack a little bit. When you are so going back to the example I'm using in the Cutco example, for those that are not familiar, Cutco Cutlery is a very high-end uh, line of uh, mostly knives, but they also have cookware, etc. cetera. Uh, their workforce is primarily college students that, that get hired for summer jobs or internships through school. They have a fantastic student program, um, but, but the product is is knives. Uh, and you do in-home demos one-on-one in front of people, obviously with, with COVID, that, you know, that was mostly virtual. Uh, the reason I bring that up, the reason I outline that is because, so when I first started Cutco, there's a three-day seminar that they train you the ins and outs of Literally, there is a script for every single word in the presentation. They script out the entire thing, okay? Every single features and benefits of the knives, all of these information about the guarantee, everything is scripted from the beginning to end. On the page one, it even says build rapport, and it has 26 different questions that you're supposed to ask, okay? Walks you through everything. And so when I first started, my very first demo, I was like face down on the pages reading, and I, because I didn't want to miss anything. I was reading, right? And that's sort of what we're talking about with the cold calling of you're reading off a script. I was, I was just reading. And as you can imagine, my first few appointments went terribly because no one's going to respond to that, right? And so I became more and more comfortable. I don't I need to walk you through the whole process. I was there for, you know, for years. Towards the end of my career, when, when I had gotten it down, uh, I was one of the best in, in my region. And when I sat in front of a customer, the only time that I even picked up a knife or talked about the actual product was if the customer indicated that they wanted to hear that. It was much more about building rapport, speaking the vision of what is it going to be like when you toss out your crappy Walmart knives and you bring a fantastic set of knives into, into the kitchen. And I was creating this sort of lifestyle change of this is what the product is going to do for you on a holistic level. And if somebody, you know, and, and all the time, you know, customer would look at, because I'd have the knives out on the table in front of them, right? And they'd pick it up. And then that's my cue. Okay, well, that knife does these, you know, seven or eight different things. And, and so you're letting the customer lead the sales call. And so by the end, here's here's the great part about that. And again, I, I know this is a little bit, you know, of a different tangent, but the great part about doing or coordinating sales presentations that way is that by the end of the presentation, I know two things. Number one, I know what they want to buy. And I know how to sell it to them because they've told me because I've been listening to the cues and they and I know what's important to them, why they need it, what what's going to make the difference. And so at the end of the appointment, I got to the point and this is a ridiculous stat. I know it is, but uh, but it's, you know, it's verified through my appointments uh, for the last about five years of my career at, Vec, uh, at, at Cutco. I had over a 96 percent closing ratio when I was closing over five hundred dollars per sale. And, the, and this is not like I was, you know, going around Beverly Hills. I mean, I met with people all across all walks of life. And, and you know, it speaks to I think that speaks to my conviction in the product, but also just let you know, you got to let the other person tell you what they want. Um, and so, you know, you know, you're zooming all the way back. If you bring this into real estate or you're bringing this into cold calling, um, you know, ask the questions that aren't yes or no's. Ask the questions that here's what I think you and I are, are especially skilled at. Um, you know, and I think I, you know, we use it to, to a really good, you know, really healthy degree is ask the questions that will get you the answers that the person doesn't want to give you. 
ask the questions that will lead the person in the direction that you want them to go. It's your job to pull the person in your direction, not push them in the direction of where you want them to go. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think um, two things out of that. One, the only thing I would parse out here is the ticket price, right? So if you're trying to sell a um, $75 million project to some developer or whatever, the pitch, the rapport, all of that that, that time that's going to be built in is fundamentally different than if you're trying to make a you know, a one-off real estate transaction or a cutco transaction or what I'm calling low ticket items. It is not that selling a house is a low ticket item, but there, and, and spin selling does a great job of this. It has to do with if things go wrong, right? So if, if you sell your house, I mean, okay, no one really cares, right? No one's going to care one way or another, but if you bring in the wrong contractor to build out, you know, the East wing of the, of the building and it goes terribly wrong, everyone's going to hate you. <laughs> like everyone's mad at you. And so the pressure, so, so that would be the only thing I'd parse out. Um, the, the rules that we're talking about still apply. They just, they're just drawn out. They're, they're slower and they're, they're going to be fleshed out a little, little bit differently. So, so yes, I'm with you there on all of that. And I know you agree with that. You're not. Um, the other thing I would say, and I've, and I've, um, I forgot my other point. Um, oh, uh, oh, it came to me left. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, but no, I think, I think, I, I think you're, Get on it. We have anything uh, of disagreement there. Um, it it it. You talked about reading through this the the, the script, um, and so many salespeople, whether it's networking, whether it's prospecting, whether it's in office visits, they're all operating off of a script, in- internally, externally, and that's and and the this is the key. It's all a pitch, folks. It's all a pitch. From the first time you meet them till they sign the dotted line, it's all a pitch. You have to make as little of it feel like a pitch as humanly possible. And then the really good ones, like we were in a meeting in Houston, I don't know, back in September, and the dude that pitched us was one of the best I've seen because he's pitching us on a couple hundred million dollar project, and it's just he's smooth as silk. Now, some other dudes would pop in and it was like, oh, yeah, okay, shut up. Get back to this guy. He's good. He's really good. Uh, he was just so smooth. And he's and, and he's hitting all, to your point about leading you, he's hitting all the things that you think, okay, well, this is going to screw him up. And then two minutes later, there it is. Oh, this is going to screw him up. And he wasn't even asking questions. He was just pitching us. And so it's all a pitch. It's all a pitch. And you have to be able to make as little of it feel like a pitch as, po- as possible. And with the bad sales that you do is the part that they're trying to not make feel like a pitch it feels like even more of a cheesy pitch and so oh that makes sense but to me that's like so many just don't get that aspect i should ask ryan to put on earmuffs for this comment because he's going to take it personally although it's not meant personally although wow. he's saying wow. that he's not going to believe it shots fired um i already. just said you're going to take it personally you should take, it's already personal like, well, I mean, don't let the, this isn't don't let the facts. Um, <laughs> I kind of lost my train of thought after all of that. I'm sorry. Um, no, it's okay. You're taking so a shot at me, I, but I, I must take it personal, but go ahead. Yeah. No, I, um, I think what we're sort of dancing around, one of the points that I want to make, you know, kind of drive home here is the unbelievable value that can be brought by. I think, okay, let me, let me back up. 
conviction in what you're selling, conviction in your product, conviction in your company, conviction in your service is the answer to sales. If you have conviction, like that's, I think that's 98% of the battle, but, but parking that aside, um, I think the other 2% is largely knowing your product backwards and forwards. And I don't mean just the technical specifications of like, how big is it? I mean, when you're sitting in front of a customer, your job is to listen to what they're saying and find a way to implement your solution into their workflow. Your job is not to you know uh, fit a square peg into a round hole. Your job is to know your product well enough. And, and this goes both ways, well enough to place it in in ways into the daily workflow of the other that they won't see. But here's the other kicker that I don't think people value as highly as they should. It's also your job to hear when the solution that you're presenting is not right for the client, is not right for the customer. There will be times where you're pitching someone that you think is a perfect client for, for your service and for whatever reason they are not. And let me tell you, the easiest way, the easiest way to win over a potential client is it is by authentically turning their business down because there are tangible, true reasons why, you know, I'm not just talking about faking it or like pretending, but if there are actual reasons why it's not a good fit, own that, say it. And that doesn't mean that you've lost the sale that, you know, maybe there's another pivot into another suite mm-hmm. of service, or maybe, maybe there's laying the groundwork for it's not the right time now. But I think, you know, again, being present of knowing, knowing what you offer and knowing whether it's actually a true value is, is a underappreciated skill. Yep. And I'll give you one example as we close out here. I was going to buy a Tundra a few years ago when I bought my F-250 and I went to the Tundra dealership and they said, Hey, we've got this $2,000 package. It's for, it was brand new for these new trucks. You got to get, I'm like, I don't want it. Like, well, you got to get it. I'm like, I don't want it. Like you got to get it. I was like, what does it give? Like, well, you get like a free key fob replacement and all this. I said, well, how much the key fob cost? Like three, $400. I said, okay, I'm going to lose this key fob every day for the first week until I get $2,000 out of you guys. Just, I'm just telling you now, if you make me pay for this, this is what's going to happen every day. Sales guy says, cool. I said, okay, as long as we're all on the same page, because I don't want to pay $2,000 for this package of cracked windows and key fobs. I don't need it. And he goes, okay. So he brings the sales manager over. And the sales manager says, did he explain the whatever package? I said, yeah. And I told the sales manager the same thing. He goes, oh, you can't do that. I said, well, you need to talk to your homeboy here, because I made it abundantly clear that the only way I'm getting this package is if I could do this because I don't want this package. And he's like, well, you got to have the package and you can't do that. I said, all right, get my keys. I'm leaving. And he goes, well, no, no, no. I can take off. I said, I said, it's not about the taking off. It's not about this. It's like, I don't want this package. I don't need it. This is, it's not required. You are forcing me to buy something. I just don't want, I don't want the $2,000 anywhere else. I just don't want this. I don't need it. And he starts going back and forth. I said, give me my keys. I'm leaving. And you know what he said? He said, all right, we'll take, we'll get rid of it. I said, nope, I'm gone. And so I was even, I was, that, that was the worst thing to say. That was the worst thing to say. Oh, all this time I battled you and now you're going to take it away. All you had to do was start with that. I don't want it. I don't want it. You could, you, you should have start with, hey, Mr. Ray, sorry for the confusion. We'll take off $2,000. Listen, bro, I don't want $2,000. I'm, I'm out of here. I don't want this. But, but don't get in to the point about always pitching. That's what I'm saying is that it's that was all a pitch and they're all trying to manipulate it. It was in, and I'm not, I'm not a moron. I know what's going on here. And if you, if you're saying the owner makes me sell this thing, I'm sorry. Good for you. I'll go to another Toyota dealership where they don't say that. But when I, when I say I'm leaving, then you say, we'll get rid of it. No, that, that dog don't hunt. And that's the robotic. That's the, we don't have any other cards to play. That's why people hate salespeople is because of that. 
because of that. Now, at the end of the day, they don't really care. They sell 150 trucks a month. I'm not a big deal to them. I get it. But that's why people hate salespeople right there. Because they're, they're, they're just the script, script, script. The sales guys tell me what I want to hear. Script, 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 script. The sales manager realizes that I've got I've called a problem. Script, 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 script. Oh, he's going to leave. Well, let's try this. Oh, he's going to leave. For real? Let's, okay, we'll get rid of it. No, no, no. That Maybe that works for the rest of the customers. It doesn't work for me. And to me, the rest of the customers that it does work on, that don't want it like me, that have to buy it, at the back of their mind, they're not they're not very happy either. So I just, to me, that that's, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That drives me crazy. No, I think it's a, a fantastic place to leave, uh, leave off, uh, folks. If you're uh, following Ryan on Twitter, uh, you'll see it. If you're not following him on Twitter, you will see a future thread where he's going to tag at car dealership guy. I think it is in a in a thread about that story because I want to hear. I want I want to see Twitter go nuts about that. Uh, you can follow me at underscore Ben Samuels on either Twitter or Instagram, and we will see you next week. Five Wide Business Ryan. Newsletter, fivewide.biz. And listen, I haven't told Ben this. I had a brilliant idea today for the Five Wide Business Newsletter. Something might be coming. No one can see you, so you can shake your head all you want. Something might be coming that's going to blow everyone's mind. I'm going to work on it in the next couple weeks, and we'll hopefully announce it soon. I might even let Ben be a small, small, small part of it. Probably not. Okay, folks, until next week, stay safe out there and keep climbing. <laughs>